how do you become a Christian? It's really something that we encourage on the show, becoming a Christian, but what exactly do we mean by it? Now, in the past, I think the tradition we both come from, the, 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 what uh, coincides in the tradition that we inherited, is one of evangelicalism, evangelism and expecting people to respond to the gospel message by coming to faith, by changing their beliefs. Yes. Now, in that moment, are they becoming a Christian? In uh, Billy Graham crusades, as they were then called, in those big meetings when people responded, they were recorded as being inquirers. Do they remain as inquirers within the same day? Well, they can then spend time with a a counsellor and Mm -hmm. then come to faith. But simply going to the front, responding in the moment to the message of Billy Graham doesn't get you recorded as a convert. This is checked whether you really understand what you're doing or what it Mm -hmm. means to be a Christian. But we're going to come to that because Billy Graham was famous for his four steps to faith and there was another system of conversion called four spiritual laws, all of which were ways of becoming a Christian. And I've got another one here. This is by a group called Faithwood. They say this. is It's similar to lots of other ways of saying you become a Christian. This is how you become a Christian, Beryl. Uh, see if you agree with this. One, believe that you are loved and accepted by God. Number two, admit that you're a sinner. Yes. Number three, acknowledge your sins. Yes. And number four, commit your life to Christ. Yes. And five, live a life of gratitude to God. I think I'd go a bit more than that. Yes, um, so would I, yes. What, what would you say that's different? Well, not only live a life of gratitude to God, but obeying his commandments. Yes, obedience to God. Yeah. But, however, even though that's not quite how we would put it, that's an interesting addition. You're talking about to become a Christian, you have to actually do something. Yes. Now, that's controversial. What do you have to say? I would ask Beryl, was she ever a non-Christian? Beryl was born in a Christian country. Beryl has parents who were heavily involved in a Christian church. Beryl probably was taken along to church at an extremely early age, probably only months, if not even less. So did Beryl ever become a Christian? Um, Well, Christianity, according to the Bible, is not just attending a Christian church. Neither is it having Christian parents. I have had difficulty over the years, I must admit, that I've always believed a Christian had to understand what Christianity was about to be able to become a Christian. Although the Church of England would say to me, no, you don't necessarily have to understand what Christianity is all about because you don't have to intellectually agree to what it means because we all know of people who have problems from a mental health point of view. So what happens about them? How can you mentally accede to something if you don't understand it? And I would say that people who have cerebral palsy, maybe... But you're saying if someone can't understand, how can you be held accountable for not understanding? Yes. Well, what does it mean to become a Christian? If you're a tiny baby, Mm -hmm. can you become a Christian? That's behind the question. Were you ever not a Christian? Were you a Christian when you were a baby? I think there's a difficult truth in this that people don't acknowledge, you see. We are personally accountable for our sin. Yes. 
yet are little babies accountable do they actually sin and from this came the concept of the age of accountability and so at a certain age you can and at that age that's when you can become a christian now what about if you die before that happens this is the way the argument well before that of course you weren't sinning therefore you go straight to heaven i have a problem with this but i'm going to put it to you beryl and of course uh, to the gentle listener as well let me know what you think Um, i believe in this idea that before you reach a certain age which would be different for different people and you choose to reject christ you're effectively a christian if you're part of a christian family i believe that the family is at the heart of how god organizes the world with and it's meant to be with the the man as the head and the woman as his partner and they have this family which is committed to christ and if a baby of such a family dies they go straight to be with god and at the resurrection they will be resurrected i believe that from the way that it's portrayed in the bible that that's happening but if you're a child of a non-christian family I believe that that doesn't happen. It's not that you're innocent that protects you. It's not that you're innocent. It's that you're a child of a Christian family who hasn't rejected it. Now, my belief, as you can see, only seems to be morally tenable if you believe something else that I absolutely believe from the Bible's teaching. And that is that hell is eternal, it lasts forever, but that people put in it are not. I think that if you are not given life by God, you don't have life. So if you are sent to hell because you're a sinner, Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that you spend eternity in hell. It means that the effect of it is eternal. You're snuffed out. You are destroyed. Now, this will be a painful process. Going to hell is not good. You don't last there eternally. That's Uh, interesting because... I hadn't thought of it that way before. You know, the reason that I think that it's important to say that is, say you're a baby and you haven't sinned and you mm-hmm. get sent to hell, there aren't any sins for you to be punished by. So it's not hell in the sort of sense of being burnt alive or something like that. It's simply that you don't exist anymore for an innocent mm-hmm. baby. So therefore you are eternally separated from God. Yes, which means you don't have life. Mm-hmm. You can't have life without God. To be separated no. from God, when it's talked about that in the in Matthew's Gospel, when it talks about you, you being cut off, it's sometimes talked about as though you're going to be tormented, as in tortured. But yes. that isn't the word need. It means cut off eternally cut off is the mm-hmm. phrase used but then if you die physically yes you're cut off anyway you're cut off from um, physical life yes but you're spiritually alive if you're in a christian family or if mm-hmm. you've committed your life to christ because god's spirit animates you and he is yes. the ultimate source of life okay. so at the resurrection of all the faithful you will be raised to life there are a lot of people that are tortured mentally by that by thinking about what happens to children who die Mm, they are and i don't think it's helpful to say don't worry all children go to heaven i don't think that's helpful that's something i would have said actually because i've always believed in the verse in genesis yes i don't know who said it but it was said shall not the god of all the earth do right well i agree with that but what is right he will do right in that he will not torture or punishment an innocent child Mm. absolutely not that's not going to happen that's i believe an unfortunate side effect of people's enthusiasm describing hell right they believe that's a new thought for me uh, is it a new thought for you gentle listener or do you think uh, we'd love to hear from you get in touch with the show 
get in touch directly with us uh, at beryllandpete.com. Make sure you're subscribed. You can leave a comment to this episode. Send it in. They'd love to hear about it. I think that's important to state that, the, the view of hell, before going any further about it. Yes. Because I don't believe that children are punished for something they haven't done. Of course not. Mm. I don't believe that. I don't believe in that sense in original sin. Because original sin would say you need to be baptised or in an evangelical belief convert or you're sinful and you go to hell. I'd go to hell to be punished in that concept of hell. By hell, in the Bible, we're talking about the place of the dead. Uh, So that's all it means. It doesn't mean fires and pitchforks necessarily. That's Mm. what's put in biblical terms for the destruction of evil. So if you're a bad sinner, yeah, uh, it's going to be painful when you die Mm. because you are judged. It's also a place where God is not. You are cut off eternally from God, and that means you have no life. Because mm-hmm. only through God do you receive life. Yes. So you Interestingly, must my programme was about that yesterday. God is about life. In God all are alive, which is the end mm-hmm. of the lecture reading from uh, Luke chapter 20. Yes, I think that is true. In God all are alive. If you're not in God, you're not alive. Mm-hmm. Now, let's return to uh, what it means to become a Christian. Therefore, to become a Christian, if you're brought up in a Christian family, means, I would say, to reaffirm what your family has brought, up, brought you up as. Yes, and of course, in my case, I was seven years old when I became a Christian. Mm-hmm. But at, I would say, about two or three weeks old, and I've got a record of it at home, I was dedicated. Yeah. Our church did not believe in christening. Yes. It wasn't a rite of the church, R-I-T-E, rite. They Um, kept that uh, baptism for when you made a a public declaration yourself. Yes, that's right. Mm -hmm. But I was dedicated to the Lord when I was two or three weeks old. Yes. I was uh, baptised or christened, as you say. I conduct christening services, even for parents who seem to me not to be Christian, as long as they make the promises in Scripture. So they say in the service that they're Christian. Right. And the godparents do as well. And it's not that I believe then, in that case, that the baptism makes the child Christian necessarily. They have to believe it to say it. Yes. But I don't want to be making the judgment that they don't believe what they're saying. That's Mm -hmm. entirely up to them. Maybe that's a bad thing for them to do. But it's never a bad thing for the child, because it gives an opportunity for us to pray for them and for the child. So God will bless them, show his favour to the child. So it's a good thing to do anyway. Is yes, my and hopefully the godparents will also have some sort well, of Christian leaning. Yes, and even if it's not the parents, yes, the godparents may well do. People tend to have several godparents these days, not just three. <laughs> yes, people like <laughs> to have more. The reason being, they want to include as many people as possible. Now, of course, there is a, an assumption that it's just a service and there's no more commitments. You have to make that clear. You are committed specifically to pray for this child. And therefore, you can't be an atheist and be a godparent. You have to be baptised yourself. The assumption is that you're confirmed as well. In the Anglican tradition, Church of England tradition, that means you affirm the baptism vows that you made at the start, and then the bishop prays for you to be baptised in the Spirit. That's what happens at confirmation. So you're fitted for service for the Lord. That's Mm -hmm. why it's done when you're older. Often they're not confirmed as well, but they at least all have to be Mm baptised. So, for example, someone who's a Muslim or Hindu can't be a godparent. You have to be a Christian. In baptism, in christening, does the person become a Christian? What's your answer? I don't belong to the Church of England. They don't become a Christian in that moment, but it it is part of becoming a Christian, in that you should believe and be baptised. The baptised is joining the Church, and indeed in the baptism service, 
it makes that clear. The baptism is joining the church. In the Roman Catholic doctrine, there's no salvation outside of the church. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In your mind, when a child is christened, and I, I use the word christened to make a distinction between baptism by immersion. Oh, right. That's what you say, Christian. Yes. yes. Okay, got you. Yes. Yeah. Does that child become a Christian when they are christened? No, I think that they join the church. I think they become a Christian. Okay because they're part of a christian family and then if they opt out they need to come back and make a declaration of faith they don't need to be baptized again no although i believe that they can that's not a popular view amongst the church no that's that's absolutely wrong in the church of england so i don't do it what i would do Mm. is sticking with church of england doctrine i would have a baptism ceremony but say this is a reaffirmation of baptism vows Ah. if they really want it i would do that and even by immersion in fact i've gone and had a reaffirmation of my baptism by full immersion in the water off clacton on sea Right. Yes, we, I go to really uh, romantic <laughs> and exotic places here. Let me try this out on your barrel, see. I think there's three parts to baptism. Baptism, there's a threefold baptism. We love mm-hmm. threefold things. The Trinity is threefold. Yes. When you believe, you are baptised into the name of God, in the name of Christ, mm-hmm. the name of God. Yes. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But they all have this name, Yahweh. That's mm-hmm. God, right? You're all baptised into God. In the Bible, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 2 talks about the people of God in the Old Testament. And it says, all were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. So Moses was their leader. So as they went through the sea, which parted from them, as they were in the cloud of God's presence, in that... They were baptised into Moses. They took on a new leader by following him through the sea and with the cloud. And I suppose when they went through the sea, it was a sort of partial baptism in a way. Yeah, they didn't get wet. Yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> uh, the, the point was they were following Moses. That was baptism. It was regarded mm-hmm. as baptism. So the part one of baptism, you're baptised into Christ by following him or yes. into Jesus, into God, by following. Okay. So believing and following him is the first part of baptism. The second part is in water, which is important because it's a physical thing you do to show that it's happened. Yes. It's a physical manifestation of a spiritual truth. Yes. And now, you need to do that because how is it belief in Jesus can have such an effect? Whereas there were thousands and thousands of people called Jesus even now in Spanish-speaking parts of the world. The name Jesus is still a common name. Yes. So, which Jesus? What do you mean? Baptizing? What about Father, Son and Holy Spirit? Those English words. How does that do it? The spiritual powers of this world need to know that there's a change in you. And the only way they know is by you, first of all, in your language, declaring who you mean. Which Jesus? What do you mean by Jesus? Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus, the son of the father who gives the spirit, that Jesus, that's why the Trinity is so important. Mm -hmm. And physically, you do this physical act involving water. You know, it's given meaning by the words, but it's something that physically happens. Even the dumbest evil spirit will know what's Mm. happening. But it also is symbolic Mm. of washing away your sin. Yes, the symbolism of the water has an effect. Mm -hmm. In the same way as your words have an effect. I believe when that happens with the water, it's showing what God does. And Apostle Peter writes this in one of his letters, that it's not the washing away of physical dirt, but it's a declaration of a good conscience unto God. 
Yes. It's, that's what it is. You're doing it because you show you are made right with God by what Jesus actually did on the cross. The water doesn't do anything, is, no. is what Peter is saying. The water doesn't do anything, but in doing it, it does happen. Mm-hmm. So it does do it. Yes. In a way, so <laughs> yes, that's, I see that. and that's how a sacrament works. What we call it a sacrament, it's a sacred physical act. Yes, and the prophet Isaiah said, being inspired by God, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Yes. I'm always sort of (laughs) aghast at that illusion because anybody who's had any dealing with blood knows that blood is very difficult to remove from a garment. Yes, that's how powerful it is it's not water that does it it's done at a spiritual level and baptism has all these different illusions when i do a baptism i make it clear that it's that that it's washing clean that it's a gift of life and i talk about no if you don't drink water you die so it symbolizes the gift of life and it also symbolizes new life because if you go down into the water and don't come up you're coming up out of the water makes your life (laughs) and the third thing though is is the thing that i mentioned at the start it harks back to this when a wooden ship was sunk in the water say at the time of jesus a greek speaking person would have said it was baptized baptized as we would say in english in that it goes down into the water and it stays there and the water infuses the timbers gets between all the fibers there so that the water and the timber are one so the ship is identified with the water you can't tell the difference so when you're baptized into the water and baptism you're baptized into god into the father the son and the holy spirit mm-hmm. so it, it re-identifies who you are you are now a child of god you've been made new so anything evil that comes against you has no chance because it has mm-hmm. to fight against god you have changed your very being so that's the water baptism but the, the third part of it and that's being filled with the spirit god's spirit God's Spirit is, of course, the God of the whole Trinity. The Father and the Son are there within you. And that's a third thing that needs to happen. Now, in the Anglican tradition, that's a confirmation. We leave it until later. It could happen at the same time as your water baptism. It could happen when you believe. And it can happen before that, in that when Peter first preached the good news in the house of cornelius which was a, a big house for the number of people it seems were there they were filled with the holy spirit then they believed he hadn't even finished speaking he hadn't finished telling them and they believed so the normal order i would say you believed you're baptized in water then you're filled with the spirit i would say that mm-hmm. i'm just observing but god although i think he's telling us that there's these three sides to it he can do whatever he likes he is god he's very happy being god he does things how he sees fit and he can hit you with the holy spirit such that you're then converted and then you're baptised in water. It could happen in that order, for example. Mm-hmm. And then you can go on to work out what it means to be a Christian. That can be later, yeah. Yes. So what does it mean to be a Christian? Uh, just finally, uh, you know, that's my sort of explanation of why I still baptised children in water, but I recognise the other point of view that it's left to what you believe. I'm absolutely happy with that. But uh, there's a final bit to it. That you haven't completely become a Christian because you have to then act on your faith. You have to actually yes. do Christianity. Yes, uh, and it's often said that one's actions belie one's character sometimes. So if you say that you're a Christian, your actions have to follow. I certainly believe that. Yeah, James, the the letter in the Bible, talks about this. Uh, Faith without works is dead. He says this, uh, this is uh, James 2 verse 18. Someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith, he says, without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. 
if you believe you will show it it's sometimes put in the bible by your fruit yes by what you produce what you'll do yes but you have to do it you have to produce that fruit you have to actually change so we'd be able to see down the line looking back oh no you would never became a christian Uh, so it's difficult in saying what does it mean to become a christian because it includes doing it yes but you don't know if someone's going to do it. Say someone no. was the preacher or the counsellor at a Billy Graham event, Franklin Graham these days event, his son. You don't know that they're going to actually do it. You haven't got the benefit of the time. So at what point do you say they're converted? At what point are they a Christian? Is it when they, they make that declaration of belief at the event? Is it when they're baptised? Or is it 20 years down the line when you're sure they're actually going to do it? In the Bible, it says about people coming to faith. It records mm. the numbers. It's very, it seems to be very important. Yes, uh, especially on the day of Pentecost, mm. for example. But, but then, wasn't it only the third bit of my three bits of baptism? <laughs> wasn't it only the being baptised in the Spirit that they recorded? Mm. The speaking out in tongues? And Good the... question. <laughs> I tend not to like to answer those kind of questions. <laughs> okay. I tend to say, well, that's down to God. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but I mean, if you wanted to record it, I don't have an answer. I'm asking these questions. Because mm. what I would do, I guess, is if I, I wanted to record conversions, I would note down what people say they believe. Yes. Recognising that I could be wrong. Yes. I'd say, this is a penciled in list, because I've got to measure how I'm doing as a preacher. You know, so I say, well, how many people responded? If I'm an evangelistic preacher, which usually mm-hmm. I, I say I'm not, that's not my main calling, but I do do that occasionally. If I'm calling people to convert and they don't convert, that's mm-hmm. a measure of how I've done, isn't it? In the Bible, the numbers were measured. It's very important the numbers converted. As an evangelist, you need to say, well, how many people are coming to faith? Having been along to a fair number of teaching classes for things like Billy Graham meetings and and other crusades. I was always taught that when somebody comes to inquire, so they've taken the step forward to ask the question, and I've sat down with them or stood with them in a corner and we've had a quiet chat. The first thing is to ask them, well, why are you here? Mm -hmm. And they actually express a reason for them being here. Yeah. The second thing is to say to them, okay then, would you mind if I pray for you? Yeah. Because I'd just like to pray for you at this particular moment that God will bless you. Yeah. And they usually say yes. So I then say, and would you like to pray with me? Mm -hmm. I try to get them to actually pray themselves. Yeah. It might be that I have to actually say the words and they say the words and repeat after me, yeah. it might be that they express the words themselves. Yeah, sure. And I think that actually the point of conversion is actually at that very intimate time, a very relevant time, when they actually express in their own words yeah. the reason they are there. Okay, what happens in the future is still to happen in the future. Yes. And you don't really know. But they have actually, put it in very, very simple terms, turned a corner. And they are pointing in a different direction. Yeah. And that's the moment of conversion. 
Yeah. Now that, that's how I see it, and that's what I put yeah. into practice yeah, with sure. people. Yeah. That's an answer to the question. What does it mean to become a Christian? What you're saying is, I think we've uh, we've all agreed with is that's the start of becoming a Christian. Mm-hmm. But that is the conversion. Mm-hmm. That's the turning round, the yeah. changing of the route through yes. your life. Yeah, I, I think we've arrived at a, a position where we we sort of here in the studio agree on something, but we haven't included you, gentle listeners. So do get in touch. Remember, you can get straight to Beryl and Pete by BerylandPete.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.